Well, welcome, listeners. This is Tom Skank, and this is another edition of the podcast, The Admissions Entrepreneur. And I am delighted to have with us today, Trevor Waddington, who is the principal at TruthTree, an award-winning digital marketing agency that works exclusively with independent schools and camps to help them design their ultimate enrollment. Trevor began his career as a teacher and coach He later moved into an administrative role and for 17 years successfully served schools as director of admission, marketing, and communications. Additionally, Trevor is the founder and chief proprietor of DC School One Hub. Excuse me, that's dcschoolhub.com and newyorkmetroschools.com two independent school search sites in the D.C. and New York City metropolitan areas. Ownership of these sites is critical to the market research that goes into TruthTree's leading-edge digital strategies. Trevor, it is an absolute treat to have you, and thank you for being here. Tom, I really appreciate it. The pleasure is all mine. I've been a big fan for a long time, and uh, I'm glad we get to connect. Absolutely. I'd like to start by just having you share a little bit about what TruthTree is about. In fact, I've got to ask you, I think it would be interesting to the listeners, tell us how you came up with the name. Uh, Interestingly, my uh, my former partner, um, who uh, moved and and kind of went off in a different direction, uh, when we first came together and said, I think we should start an agency uh, to help independent schools with their marketing. We met at a restaurant called Maki. And if memory serves, it translates to Truth Tree. Um, It was a Japanese restaurant. And he uh, is African-American, came from the marketing world. I am Caucasian. I've come from the school world. So it's a real yin to the yang. And that's where the, if, if you take a look at our website, you'll see our logo. Uh, so that's where the name and the the logo actually came from. So there's a a lot of meaning behind uh, a lot of meaning behind both. I love the name, and and I think uh, it's always nice to have a company name where where people pause a little bit and and say, well, what are they about? I'd like to find out more. Talk to us a little bit about why you have been successful. What is it that you're bringing clients uh, that really has turned things around for them? Uh, great question. When I, when I first uh, heard of digital marketing uh, as a part of a, a larger marketing strategy, you know, way back in the early 2000s, uh, I didn't know anything about it. Um, we looked around for companies that could help us with those things. Uh, we were excited to get started. Everything seemed great. And things seemed good. You know, we were getting traffic. Um, you know, there were ads that people could see, display ads. But, you know, as and it wasn't as much of the end result as it was kind of the customer experience and their understanding of schools and why we wanted to phrase things a certain way. Um, And I said, I think there's just there's a better way to do this. So I really dove in deep and learned um, Google ads, Facebook ads, um, everything that kind of surrounds digital marketing. And like I said, I mean, I, I can do this. Uh, I can do this for our school. I can save our school a lot of money. I felt that, you know, the, the, the price tag along with that was pretty steep. And, and I understand why, because, uh, you know, especially at that time, 
there you didn't you you didn't know even know how to do it. Um, now there's a there's a lot. You know, I always you know for schools that come to us and say, hey, we we love what you do, we just we can't afford it. I, I'd say you you know yeah, I mean it's it, we are a time saver. I mean if you go to Google or Facebook, they want you to advertise with them. And uh, so they have really easy to follow instructions. There's just a lot of really easy to follow instructions. So um, getting back to the more of the point, why, you know, when I started Truth Tree, I really wanted to provide a great service to schools to save them time, um, to get them the uh, visibility that they were looking for. You know, the, the old uh, saying in, in the independent school world, unless you're the top school in your market, that you are the hidden gem. So we want to sort of get rid of that moniker for a lot of schools, um, give them meaningful awareness to, to families that are looking for them. What have you found um, moving forward? Because it seems like technology, I mean, it moves at the at light speed. Mm -hmm. what, what do you see in the future? What's, what's, what are some of the things that uh, perhaps have not been used in the digital marketing space, but what are going to be new innovations that you're going to bring to your clients? You know, Tom, that's a great question. And, and I've developed a team at Truth Tree, So I am not working in the business as much as working on the business. And a big part of that and something that we talk about a lot, and actually we're having tomorrow a, a day long retreat, our entire team really dedicated to looking at during that time, and we've done a lot of research leading up to it, where do we need to be positioning our school partners uh, in 22, in 25, in 2030? Um, and obviously, there's no exact science to projecting those things. But we want to be able to continually look at what our schools need. And, and you know, I've said this before, Truth Tree is going to look very different in five years. I wouldn't say very, but it's going to look different in five years. Because my prediction is that AI will become so smart in five years, you don't necessarily need someone, you know, executing the ads themselves. In fact, the AI, the artificial intelligent bot, if you will, will be able to actually formulate the language of the ads. And you're going to say, wow, this is great. We don't, you know, we don't need a firm to do this. So where can Truth Tree be at that time? So that's really what we're going to focus on tomorrow. Uh, some of the things that I'm bringing to that conversation with the rest of our team is voice first. So how can voice first, you know, I, I don't have the stats in front of me, but, you know, we many, many, many houses, especially more affluent houses. And these are the folks that are looking at independent schools, have an Alexa, uh, have a, a Google device, have some sort of uh, voice first activation device. We've got them in our cars now. So the ultimate for, uh, for us to help develop with our schools is if you say, um, Hey, Alexa, I don't have one around me, so she's not going to answer right now. But, you know, hey, Alexa, what is, you know, the uh, square root of 54? And Alexa comes on and says, um, you know, uh, Truth Tree Academy, it's sort of the, the um, fictitious school that we use when we describe what we do for schools. Uh, according to Truth Tree Academy, the square root of 54 is, and I'm not going to embarrass myself uh, trying to figure that out right now, but because it's been brought to you by or powered by the name of a company, um, that's huge brand awareness. So that's a big thing that if, if, if you can develop voice first content, we're always telling schools, 
you need to develop content, not just rah-rah content for your school, but families that could or would be in the market for a school like yours, and let's say you start at kindergarten, what are you doing to get their attention when they are expecting that child, when that child is an infant, when that child is a toddler, when that child is three and four? How are you getting their attention? And more and more of that attention is now coming through voice first. As they come to the school, and this isn't necessarily the uh, uh, marketing piece as far as getting them interested in the school, filling out a form, going through the admission process, but more of a customer experience piece is, let's say that uh, I'm running late and I forgot to make my daughter's lunch. Hey, Alexa, uh, turn on the Truth Tree Academy app. There's an introduction from Alexa. She says, welcome to the Truth Tree Academy app. What would you like to do today? Read the daily schedule or the weekly schedule. Order lunch. Today's lunch is a hot dog with chips and a drink or it's, you know, something else here. What would you like to do? Order hot dog, chips, the drink. Uh, for which one of your ch children? Um, Karis Waddington. Okay, it's ordered, it gets billed to me. I did that through AI, I can do that in my car, I can do that at home. Lots of other uh, avenues in that direction. There are, there are colleges that are using uh, voice first, not necessarily for that, but to learn the news. If there's an alert that has to come through to the school because something is happening, they can do that through the Alexa app. So I, I really see um, voice first uh, becoming a bigger part of the marketing plan of independent schools moving into the future. And as, as a bit of a side to that too, it's cultivating relationships well before that their child is age eligible for the school. Gotcha. That's exciting. Um, now, beyond Alexa, what are the other, say, uh, top two, top three other in that space of voice first? Um, really, I, you know, Alexa and Google really dominate uh, okay. those pieces. Siri as well. I should I, I, I forgot about Siri. Anybody with an iPhone, um, you know, certainly can ask their phone uh, what's going on. Um, what we've looked into and, and you know, it's 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 fairly easy to develop a, an Alexa skill. Um, it's four years ago. You had to sort of go through five different uh uh, platforms to be able to do that. Now there's a platform, a few platforms where you can just go in and create it yourself. I don't remember the name off the hand, but I think if you go to Google and just type in uh, Alexa skill creation platform, something's going to pop up. Um, you mentioned a school app. Do you feel in the future it's going to be imp more important for schools to have their own app? Or I mean, in other words, do you need an app to be able to access voice first relationships? No, you just need to, um, you need to get it approved by uh, Alexa or Google. Um, and then it's a skill. So you need to uh, open the skill. So you have to know the name of the skill. And then once it is in your Alexa um, uh, app that you have on your phone, most people do have that. Um, all you need to do is say open Truth Tree Academy, and then it will open that app. Uh, and I'm sure that's going to change in the future. I mean, uh, Alexa and Google are always asking how, how they can do better, making suggestions for what you can 
just say good morning, uh, uh, good morning, Alexa, and she'll read you the news or she'll tell you your daily schedule or anything that you need to do. So there's a lot of different uses for that. Um, and when we talk about sort of where things are going to be in the future, to kind of go back to that, because it jogged my memory, I wrote a blog a few years ago, um, looking forward to, I think, 24, 25. So it's still a few years away. But as an admission director, and, and you know, if somebody out there wants to develop this, uh, you know, please steal this idea and do that because this is not my forte. But you walk into your office, let's say it's Monday morning, and you say, good morning, uh, admission entrepreneur. And uh, the voice talks back to you and says, good morning, Trevor. How are you? Today is uh, Monday, November 1st. Um, in taking a look at the numbers, um, inquiries are down. Uh, you know, through October by 6%. Here's something that we can do to help with inquiries. Um, applications for middle school are up 32%. Applications for lower school are down 1%. Uh, we are not concerned about this. You have the open house coming up uh, in three weeks. We, uh, the AI, uh, we already have ads that are running for that. And we have 14 registrations at this point, which is 5% higher than they were last year for this. So instead of having to dig through all of the data, the data comes through the voice operated piece. You can be proactive with that. I think a lot of times admission folks uh, just by design are reactive. They look at the end of the month data and they're like, oh my goodness, we, we need to step things up because we're, you know, we're, we're uh, down on inquiries, we're down on applications. Um, how, how do we kind of put this fire out? So instead of being more reactive, um, I think data that's presented in this way or, or in a nice, neat format that you can be more proactive in, in what you do. And what we help schools do is help design that proactivity by showing them the data that's coming through the ads, the analytics that we're providing. Now, we don't know if someone has necessarily uh, inquired or applied, not for all of our schools, but knowing from them and coming back to us and saying, hey, we, we're, we're we're doing great with inquiries um, for middle school or for high school for ninth grade, but we really could use some for our pre-K. That tells us maybe we, we create some uh, more specific pre-K ads. We reallocate funds from, let's say, the uh, high school portion of the uh, ad spend, moving it more to pre-K. We change the bid strategy for pre-K. So that's where when we say we help schools design their ultimate enrollment, um, Ultimate Enrollment is a full, robust school full of mission-appropriate students, and that's really what we want to help uh, help schools do. You know, you've raised a, a fabulous point about admissions people being reactive, uh, and, and many people are not real organized. Uh, some people learn differently. They learn better off of a sheet on the computer or, as you just talked about, literally, you, you get a, uh, a soliloquy on what their day should be like mm -hmm. and, and what would be some of their priority tasks. Um, I, I, you know, I think we talked a little bit about the fact that 60% of the time is spent on reactive busy work and not on the process of recruiting. Uh, that's exciting stuff is, yeah. is, is to have that AI give you that synopsis. You know, you get a five, 10 minute synopsis in the morning and mm -hmm. a lot of people are better taking information through their ears. Yeah. Uh, so yep. it, gives, it gives, them, gives them another option. Um, 
and the fact that the 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 AI bot again, I mean, this is uh, uh, it, it won't be wishful thinking in the future. Has already um, reacted to the fact that these numbers are down. So the AI is like we're re- we've reallocated twenty percent from the high school budget into this campaign here. We will uh, keep an eye on this for the next week and see if it is getting any traction. So again, now you can spend more time cultivating relationships with the inquiries, with the applicants, moving them through the process in a a personalized, meaningful way, because you're not having to spend hours and hours digging through this data to find out, oh my goodness, we're not where we want or need to be. Um, And I think that that is, it's going to, I mean, it certainly has always been that way. We do email marketing, uh, email drips for our school partners. In many cases, we suggest you, based on the size of your inquiry and applicant pool, um, you you know you really should be doing this. You you, you don't want to have cold automated emails that have an unsubscribe button at the bottom because that shows like, okay, how much do you care that you're just sending me automated emails? So again, being that all of that background stuff is done for you, it allows you to make that, uh, send that email, make that phone call, you know, until they uh, uh, ban paper mail, write that handwritten note, uh, thanking them for coming to visit or something maybe from a teacher or or a few students when they came for their student visit um, that has that real personal touch. Because I think we're we're all at, at this point, we're all very used to things being automated um, and impersonal. And I think that's still going to be keys for independent schools um, to, you know, to have that personal touch because, you know, until we get to a place where it kind of reverses back to the nineties and early two thousands, where it was, you know, the, the schools were in higher demand and now it's the families that are in the highest of demand and uh, schools need to treat it as such. And, you know, not to get on my, uh, my high horse with this, but it needs to be, getting out of the mentality that, uh, uh, you know, you, you need us more than we need you, because I know for a lot of schools, it's the schools need them more than they need the school. Oh, you're, you're absolutely right. Um, there's that great phrase that says high tech, high touch. Yeah. I think now, now more than ever, uh, we're going to, we're going to need that. What do you think is one of the greatest challenges for the admissions professional right now? Oh, the greatest? That's a really good question, too. Um, I think it is probably convincing uh, the powers that be, let's say the board, let's say the um, administration, that it's not like it used to be, um, where there's a big pool of families just itching to get into schools. Um, you know, in several, uh, in the DC area, for example, and this was, you know, really unheard of that. Uh, children under the age of eight that had, uh, you know, that their families were at a certain um, uh, income bracket didn't slow down because most of the, as most of the data says, well, it's slowed down by, you know, from 8% to 2%. It's actually in some places gone in a negative direction. And we've talked about sort of the, you know, the, the have and the have nots because there's more of a gap there. I mean, there are physically less human beings you know, age five, I think it was two years ago in the DC market. And we saw that from the digital marketing that we did because schools smartly were uh, bidding astronomical numbers to be the first, uh, uh, the first ad shown at the top of page one when a family typed in private, private kindergarten or uh, right. we're looking for kindergarten. So 
taking that data and presenting that to the powers that be to say, listen, I'm not trying to uh, skirt my responsibility as an admission director, but you need to know that there are less human beings out there that can afford an independent school uh, or not them. Obviously, there are five, hope, you know, oh, maybe there's one or two five-year-olds out there with enough money to afford an independent school. But you get the idea that it's, it's the parents. There's just not, in some markets, there's just not as many out there. So um, for the school, that's, the expectation is that they're going to maintain uh, 1,000 or 500 students in their school year after year after year. Uh, it puts a it puts undue pressure on the admission person, especially if they're not directly involved in the marketing, to do that. And even if they are involved in the marketing, um, you know, unless you are the top school in your market or the end all, you have the end all be all program that everybody should want. There's there's going to be a ton of fluctuation, and I think it it is up to them to some degree, but it's really up to the administration to make better decisions on budgeting. And I think it does, I mean, it comes down to the budgeting piece of it, that the expectation year over year is that we're not gonna bring in 150 students because that's what happened in the 70s, 80s, 90s, and early 2000s, even you know up to 2008. Right. So I think that's the biggest piece is, is being proactive with letting them know that, you know, here's our goal. It's not the goal that was last year. It's probably not gonna be the goal for next year that we can't have this stagnant, goal of, of how many students uh, and what the revenue generation is from those students. No, that's a, that's a great point. And getting back to leadership, most heads did not come from admissions. Yep. Uh, you know, they, they started out as academicians, teachers, department heads. Mm -hmm. And in the past, if the numbers were going fine, uh, then they were okay. But because it's now more of a team effort, mm -hmm. they have got to be more understanding of the whole, not only admissions process, but what some of those drivers are going to cost. Yeah, exactly. And so they, they certainly need to be educated. Now you- I'll see schools that, you know, have a $1.5 million budget and their marketing- uh, I mean, I'll sort of combine marketing admission budget is, um, you know, fifteen twenty thousand uh, dollars. I mean, that's not going to cut it in today's day and age, because that's what the budget or that's what percentage of the overall budget was in the '90s and early 2000s, and that's just not you can't operate that way in this day and age because there's now there are are you know we we have sort of jettison you know the you have to be in this magazine every single year with the back page and that costs this um you know we have we have jettisoned uh, some things but now there's even more to do with so many online platforms um and once things you know hopefully open up again there'll be more um outbound opportunities um especially for you know things like boarding schools and and uh, you know in larger markets where you need to have more of an outbound presence you, uh, you've done a lot of kind of out-of-the-box thinking, I realize, as you and I have talked. Mm -hmm. can, you, can you talk specifically about uh, some success stories that you brought to some of your clients? Yeah, sure. I mean, uh, that's obviously you know, something I, I love to talk about. We love to talk about internally at Truth Tree, and we love to hear from our clients. You know, we're always asking them you know, how, how are not just the, the quantity of visitors that we're bringing to their site, but the quality of the inquiries that you're getting. We, you know, it's great to get a hundred inquiries, but, 
you know, if uh, 90 of them aren't a good fit, can't afford it, are too far away, um, they're just inquiries. They're not going to translate into applic applicants. And if they're not mission appropriate, um, they're not going to translate into new enrollment. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, 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 for some of them, they're just looking for awareness. So when they go and they look at their uh, Google Analytics and they see that compared to, you know, last year, the year before, the year before, you know, for a certain period of time, that not only do they have more new visitors to the site, but there's those new visitors are spending more time on the site there uh, and, and meaningful engagement. I mean, we all have on our computers probably four or five tabs open uh, and all but one of them you are not engaged with at the time. So we like to see those engagement rates as well. Um, but it does come down to results. So some schools are like, hey, we want, we want great awareness. That's what you're providing for us. We're at or near capacity. We're seeing you know, the, the usual stuff that we have, a little bit more of an uptick. We, we can definitely equate that to you. Those are great. We love to hear those. It's the success stories we just heard from one of our school's um, admission directors um, at the, um, usually in August, July, August, and September, we meet with all of our schools that we call their uh, strategic enrollment meeting. So what do you, what are you, what are your needs for uh, the next year? So not the year that's starting this September, but the following year where we're getting, getting into the admission cycle, what are those needs that you have? <clears throat> and during these meetings, it's great, especially at this time of year where, you know, for the most part, you're probably at about 95 to 100% of uh, at least starting the school year where you're going to be at with enrollment as things roll in through the summer. We just heard from one of our uh, school partners that they have 20, 20 more new students than they ever have in any year going back eight years. Wow. Um, we, uh, you know, applicants... Uh, we're up 275% from, uh, and we used to, I mean, you know, with the pandemic numbers are, are all over the place, but going back like 15 to 2018, 19 school year compared to this year. Uh, and I can't say that this year is a normal year either, but a little bit more normalized than the last admission cycle um, that we, you know, that we are 275% uh, more applications, which is amazing. Uh, but in new enrollment is up 75% as well. So that's what we love to hear is, is, are those pieces there. Now, what I always, always say is we have a piece in that because what we do is we bring what I like to call intelligent, um, uh, intelligent attraction to your site, bringing the right people to your site, to your landing page. Um, we can't drag them in front of your school and drop them off and say, here's an inquiry. Um, <laughs> We like to, to provide leads, but we're, you know, what we do is not lead generation. We can, we can lead the horse to water, if you will. So it's those pieces that, that we really love to see. What I, what I most love to see is the school that's been with us for, you know, five years, four years, three years, and the evolution of our partnership in, yeah, as we sort of, you know, become more in lockstep. So we can almost anticipate what their needs are based on what we're seeing. And when we contact them and say, hey, we, we'd love to sort of, uh, uh, you know, shift gears a little bit because um, we're seeing a, a lot of families interested in sixth grade, but I know you need usually more ninth grade. Like, you're right. You know, we've got too many applicants for sixth grade. Let's focus on ninth grade or on second grade. So it's that piece of it too, that we love to see the success as we are able to help fill specific grades. Or um, if they're saying, you know, we, we 75% of our applicants are girls to 25 boys, we want to even that out. So there are little things that we can do here and there to help that. I mean, obviously we're not going to 
I mean, we could, but not have an ad that says boys wanted at this school. Um, and then, you know, the other piece of it is as specific to admissions and not necessarily the marketing person. And this is something I love to hear as well. And I've, we've heard this twice over the past couple of weeks is how much time we're able to save them. So a family, they sign up for a tour and they come in, they tour the school and, and you know, maybe there's a little bit of exchange. Let, let me tell me about your student. But at some point, you know, after that, you realize that it's just not a good fit for the school. Uh, maybe they have a learning disability that your school can't handle or, you know, I, I, we had not, one of them, it's got the name Christian in the school's name. And yet people are touring and they're like, oh, you know, we don't really want a Christian school. I mean, it's in the name. Um, or people thinking that the school is free or cheap because they didn't go to the tuition page. You know, one of our school partners that we've been with for three years now, she said that this past year we saved her at least 27 hours because, uh, you know, it was a it was a better quality inquiry that was coming in that could then move on to the next stage or, or move past uh, uh, the application stage. So I love to hear that we're able to save save folks time in addition to uh, helping them increase their enrollment. I think you've really touched on something because they're not always going to be able to get the money they need from the uh, administration. But if what you can do for them is effective, that saving of time is almost as important. Yeah, no, absolutely. Because that allows them, and we were talking before the podcast started, that so much time is spent on activities that are more administrative than recruiting. And if they can have more of that time on picking up the phone or following up with families, it, it's going to make the yield happen better and faster, certainly. Right. Admission events, are, 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 and as they should be, are always evolving. They were forced to evolve this past year. Um, and just, I think there's a, more of a focus, which I love to see since I've been out of the working in independent schools, uh, more of a focus on uh, customer experience, loving, you know, the, the new titles I see some of uh, schools having chief experience officers, something along those lines. And then also a dedicated person to enrollment management on both ends of it. I think sometimes by default, like, well, you're the admission director. Or what are you doing about retention? Like, I'm here to admit people, not to keep them. And I think, going, you know, just going back a few more questions, you know, you may have brought in 40 new students last year and 50 new students this year, but last year enrollment was 500. This year it's 460. You're like, oh, that admission person not doing their job. Like, no, they did their job. They brought in... Um, you know, 10 more students than they did last year. You, you can't put it on them uh, that, you know, there's attrition. Unless, of course, unless that a big part of that attrition was that, you know, that 40 that came in last year. That just means that, you know, it's your, uh, the, um, uh, the criteria for admissions maybe isn't as strong as it used to be. Trevor, you've established yourself as a, as a marketing thought leader in this industry. And as a successful CEO and founder of your company, what do you do to be successful every day? What's your schedule? What's a day like for Trevor? Are you a morning guy? Do you have to have a cup of coffee? Do you run 10 miles a day? What do you do that, that gets you fired up and focused every day for your clients? You know, if, if we were having this conversation 20 years ago, um, wake up, eat breakfast, watch TV till it was time to go to work. Um, <laughs> 
didn't really have a morning routine. I, I, I was not I, even probably five, six years ago. I wasn't very routine oriented. And then, uh, uh, I, I have found having a routine, uh, as most people who are routine oriented find that, uh, it's extremely helpful for my day. I get up at five Oh three every morning, uh, except for Sunday. Usually I'll wake up around six, uh, naturally wake up. Um, I will, um, uh, do an affirmation journal, um, and then go to the gym for an hour. Um, come back from the gym. Uh, I will typically do about a 10 minute meditation based on what, you know, if I want a, a gratitude meditation, if I want one for focus, if I want, you know, just different reasons why I may want, uh, a, a guided meditation for that mantra. I go to YouTube for that typically. Um, once I have done that, um, at that point, I usually, you know, this summer and, and even during the school year, I get my daughters up, get them prepared, make sure that my phone is away as much as possible, even though uh, I'll sometimes fr- I'll slip um, to make sure that the time that I'm spending with them that morning is meaningful, um, getting their breakfast ready, getting them off to camp or school. Um, once they are off to camp or school, I come downstairs I will um, look over my day, what I need to do, prioritize what I need to do if, it's, if there's not meetings. Um, and then w- my team and I, we have pretty set schedules as far as meetings are concerned on certain days. Um, I'm blanking on the name of the uh, founder of Twitter, but he essentially um, silos everything in one day. So if it's answering emails, he does that on a Tuesday. Um, if it's having meetings, he has all his meetings on a Wednesday. So I, you know, it's, it's hard to, to do that that way, but I do try to, um, uh, section off, uh, Fridays for the most part for what I, I mean, it's not my term because there's a book called deep work, but Fridays are usually for deep work where I, I'm not on email. My phone is off. Uh, my cell phone is flipped over, um, and in the corner of my office. So I can't, keep looking at it. And that's really where I can, uh, blog, sometimes vlog, uh, you know, take a deep dive into our, our schools, uh, ad campaigns. I, I might do three or four that day where I really do spend 45 to 45 minutes to an hour and a half, um, really diving into that and then share any thoughts with our production team. Um, 12, 15, pretty much every day I, I walk our dogs, um, come back, have lunch, in the evening, I go to bed usually between 5.30, uh, 5.30, uh, that would be early, 9.30, 10 o'clock. Uh, I read for a half an hour and then uh, I'm up at five o'clock the next morning. Well, thank you for sharing that. You know, it's, it's, it's amazing. The tenets of success uh, are not really very original, um, but you, you look at successful people, mm-hmm. mornings are almost critical. Uh, early mornings, you know, five, five or earlier to get the day started. Because even if somebody isn't a morning person, you almost have to become one to get everything done. Uh, and it's not always easy. I was raised by Midwestern parents who were getting up, you know, to, to get the animals fed. So I think early mornings were, were kind of uh, ingrained in me as a kid. But um, well, it's, it's my peaceful time because my wife is still asleep. The dogs are usually still asleep. Um, my kids obviously are asleep at that time. So it's, it's, a, it's before I go to the gym, I just really try to kind of, you know, be very mindful in the moment, uh, which is very difficult. I mean, 
work stuff, kid stuff, family stuff. Yeah. You know, the other goings on in your life. And I've gotten much, much better at that. Um, But there's just, you know, there's so many distractions. There's your phone, there's Facebook, there's um, a million and one things to be distracted by. And I've really tried to cut out many of those distractions quite a bit. Uh, 20 years ago, I probably watched 15 to 20 hours of, of television a day. Uh, unless there's a big sporting event on, I probably watch two hours of TV a week um, tops. It's a big time waster, that's for sure. And, and when I do, it's usually uh, YouTube videos on how to be a better leader or <laughs> what's cutting edge in digital marketing. Uh, my kids are they, they'll come around the corner and say, Oh, dad, what are you watching? I usually do it as I fold laundry. Um, what are you watching? And they're like, Oh, this is boring. I'm like, sorry. Um, but, uh, you know, there's a couple, couple of people I like to, to watch that they are, are, Oh, is that so-and-so again? Or, and I'm like, yes, it is. And, you know, some of them, the language isn't always the best. So they're not like, Oh dad, you, you need to pause that. Cause I see, you know, Gary V up on the screen. <laughs> well, what do you, I mean, you've got a, you've got a great routine, but besides thinking about work and, and family, do you have any particular things you love to do? Are you, do you like to cook? Uh, you know, are you, <laughs> I mean, were you a sports guy growing up? Uh, yeah. Play an instrument? Uh, no, a big sports guy growing up. I played baseball in high school, college, and, and a little bit beyond college. I wouldn't call it minor league baseball, but uh, you know, a little bit of that. Um, you know, interestingly, uh, I played hockey as a kid. Uh, I had a bad back injury that uh, actually the doctor said, you know, when your son's uh, 40, he's going to need uh, back surgery. You know, uh, he was one year off, 41. Even before that, though, uh, so I had to stop playing hockey. And, and when I started at a school um, seven years ago, my, the last school before I retired, eight years ago, actually, um, the uh, uh, inside the actor studio, Bernard Pouveau, the questions, I forget what they're called. And, it was, you know, if you could do any other occupation other than what you're doing, what would it be? And I said, a hockey player. So one of the students said, well, uh, where do you play hockey? I said, I don't. And they said, well, and why not? And I'm like, why not? So I went home and told my wife, I said, I'm going to start playing hockey again. And she said, how much is that going to cost? Um, so I still play hockey in uh, a men's league. I'm not going to pretend that I'm good. Um Interestingly, I, I love golf. Golf is a huge passion of mine. And uh, I don't know what happened between six, seven years ago and about two years ago, but I went from what I would consider to be a good golfer to just, uh, I mean, hitting the ball back, like just complete 180. And I've really spent the last six months or so really, really, really working on my game. Um, and asking for help. I was never big on asking for help. And I think that's something I've really developed over the past couple of years is, um, you know, being able to ask family members, you know, hey, I'd like your help and support on this. I always kind of just put things on me and said, this should be me. And I think that's, that's something that's really helped me personally and professionally in being able to say, hey, you know, I, I'm, this, is, this is an area of my life where I could really use your support. Um, so, and I think that kind of ties back into the gratitude piece of it as well. So, uh, hockey, golf, spending time with my family. Um, we've got two dogs going to the beach. Um, you know, probably the things that I, I most enjoy doing. Um, and uh, so, yeah. So, how did you and your wife meet? Walking dogs. 
Um, and actually just my, my dog passed away just a couple months ago. Uh, she would have been 13 on the 15th of this month. So four, four days from now, um, we were walking dogs. We sort of would walk by each other and say, you know, eventually start saying hi. And then she, she was the one that said, if I wanted to, you know, do I want to go out for margaritas? And I said, sure. And, uh, we've been uh, happily married for uh, almost uh, 11 years now. We've got two beautiful girls, uh, nine and six. Um, although I think they're more 16 and <laughs> 15, I'd say. Um, so yeah, that's how we met. And, and, uh, you know, kind of one of the, it's a sort of a, a movie, you know, kind of a movie cliche, but that's, that's how it happened. Well, congratulations. Congratulations. Oh, thank you. Yep. I, uh, I've been at it a little longer than you have, but, uh, mm -hmm. when it's right, it's right. I think timing, uh, timing is a big part of the right relationship. And, you know, kind of going back to the, the truth tree logo of the yin to the yang, um, we, we, uh, we disagree on things. We, uh, we're very good about, uh, arguing. Um, she, her personality is very different from mine. Um, which I think both helps us out, helps us grow. Uh, and I will say that, uh, I think sometimes when I'm sort of looking for a woe is me, you know, it's sort of, uh, you know, I'll get a little bit of that, but then it's, you know, uh, what is I'm blanking on the term, uh, uh, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. It's, uh, you know, stop, stop coddling yourself, <laughs> do what you need to do. Uh, so that's always good when, you know, I, I need a little bit of a reality check sometimes. Uh, she's definitely there for that, but always, always super, super supportive. Well, that's why they, they say successful marriages are partnerships, you know? Yeah. One, and, uh, when I, when I started truth tree, I mean, I, I sort of gave notice, uh, eight, nine months ahead of, to my head of the school at the time. I said, I think I'm pretty sure that maybe I'm going to retire after this year. I want to, I was already doing truth tree, um, out of market as sort of just a side hustle consulting piece. And I, I, I want to do this full time and, and freaked my, freaked me out, freaked my wife out, freaked all my people around me. Like you're crazy. You've got a great job. You love working here. And I did. And kind of going back to the, you know, the, the title of the podcast, the admission entrepreneur, there had always been just something in me that wasn't completely satisfied, even at a school that I absolutely loved. I loved my position. I was making decent money. My daughter went there. My other daughter was about to go there. And I just, I, I just feel like I need to do this. This is something I need to do. I have never regretted it. Um, I've, you know, I've had lean days where do I pay my first employee or do I pay the mortgage? And suffering through those days has really helped me grow. I think every entrepreneur can say that they've, you know, they've been in those places um, I'm lucky to say that I've, I've had a lot more great days than I've had rough days. Um, but even with those rough days, and I, I wouldn't change anything at all for what I do right now. Well, admissions people in general, because you were an admissions office for many years, uh, they didn't go to college for this. They, they kind of learned on the job. And I think that they bring a lot of diverse skills. And, and maybe for some of those people listening to this podcast, um, you, might, you might present a, a different career path. Yeah. Some people love admissions and they'll do it till, you know, the end of their working days. But other people, like you said, you've got an itch and, and you sometimes just have to scratch it.
Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, but I, I love, you know, the camaraderie I still have with a lot of uh, colleagues at admissions and seeing them uh, transition into uh, assistant head and head roles and moving on to do their own uh, consulting work. And, uh, you know, some I've leaned on some of those people that are that have been in it longer than me. And now I'm, I'm, I'm able to give back to some folks that are whether it's specifically admission and marketing related or it's more uh, development and advancement or in other areas, what did you do? How did you do it? What was kind of your game plan or your blueprint? Like, I love to be able to, to, to share that information, like what worked for me, what didn't work for me, <laughs> certainly things to avoid. Uh, I think I've calculated at one point, I probably spent, spent $13,000 in stuff that like, if I could do it all over again, like I didn't need that. There was a little bit of vanity behind some of that, or it was a, uh, a venture that just, it didn't pan out. Um, so if I can save people a couple bucks along the way, I think that's a good thing too. Absolutely. Well, you've been in the education field most of your uh, working life at mm-hmm. this point, Trevor. What do, you, what do you think are some of the greatest challenges that society has put before us that education uh, can really help kids moving forward? What are, the, what are the, some of the skills that education needs to bring these kids to face some of their challenges uh, out in the world these days? Well, I, I, part of it's going to be a little controversial. Um, so I'm, I'm a, I was a, a history major in college, which uh, don't be uh, in this day and age. Um, I love history. I love reading about history. I loved teaching history. In my opinion, uh, history needs to be nixed from, as a uh, major subject or, or many of the social studies need to be nixed. Uh, replace it with um, personal finance, economics. Um, I used to tease my students, not tease my students. I used to tell my students I would take out, I'm a big uh, hockey fan, as I mentioned. Uh, I'm from Philadelphia, so the Flyers, I am. I live and die. I love the Flyers. Um, I watch every game. And um, I went to a game and, you know, hey, do you want a free towel? Sure. Sign up for this Flyers MasterCard. I think I was 21, 22. So I brought in the towel and I showed the class and I said, how much do you think this towel costs? 10 bucks, 15 bucks? Nope. It cost about $11,000. Why is that? Because to get this, I had to get a credit card and I've used that credit card. And I said, well, I'll get a raise next year. I can keep putting money on this. I have a credit limit. I'll always do the minimum payment. And, you know, quickly that spirals and spirals and spirals. (laughs) So a big component uh, is teaching kids personal finance and investing at a young age in middle school, high school. Um, I wish I could have started investing my money better when I was 22, 23, 24. I'd probably be much closer to retirement than I am now. So I think that's a big thing that needs to happen in ed- education as a part of sort of the, the core classes that happen. I also think, you know, a lot of schools shy away from anything that's not just teaching kids stuff uh, academically. I think we do need to become more, uh, more well, adaptable, especially in this day and age with the polarization of all that's happening is how to communicate effectively with other people. Uh, I mean, and I, I can't sit here and say that I have not, uh, argued with somebody on Facebook about politics when what's really going to come of it other than 
defriending, unfriending, whatever ever you call this thing. So how we communicate with one another, how we look at why people think certain ways. I think one benefit of history is thinking about why certain things in history happen and, and would they repeat themselves? Or if you were in those situations, how would you react? I think those are good ways to take away from that. But I think, you know, a, a, it's, it's a cliche, but a balanced education where it's not just academics, but it is, uh, you know, a mind, body and soul, mind, body and spirit um, that we're able to educate all of that. I, I mean, it's, it's certainly out there. It happens. Um, I, movement is a big part of my life now and through yoga, through uh, lifting weights and running and uh, biking and rowing. Um, I mean, the science is there, the chemicals inside your brain uh, and inside your body, you know, uh, do good things for you, uh, focus and uh, just a healthier lifestyle. And I think uh, when, you know, and, and all the stuff that's rattling around in your brain, if you can be in a better position to, communicate with other people. I think, uh, you, uh, we'd all be in a better place, less anxiety, less rumination, things like that. So, but I think it all starts with communication. And I think that that is something that schools can, uh, really put in place to do a better job of, as opposed to just what's the answer to one plus one. Well, that, uh, that resonates a lot with me in the sense that there are certain skills taught in schools that they will never really use. Um, but there are all, all of us are going to have communication skills. We have to be able to use those. Mm -hmm. uh, conflict management. Yes. Um, yep. And, and just, just life skills in, in, in general, like finance, economics, investing. And I, mm -hmm. I think schools are moving towards that more, but I think uh, absolutely they could do it more quickly uh, to give kids the skills that they're really going to have. You know, it's interesting. I, I remember, I think it was Google or Facebook. They said, we don't even care if you have a college degree. If you can do the work, yeah, then we want you. Um, so that's, that throws a whole other paradigm into what's college about. And I think we're seeing more online courses. And, and you, see, you, you see colleges scrambling to adapt. And I think that's going to be the same thing with high schools as well. Well, you talk about my wife and I uh, disagreeing on things, and this is also not going to be very popular, but, um, you know, I don't see college being as important for my daughters when the time comes. I'm not going to push them into college. Um, certainly, there are uh, careers that you absolutely need to go to, you know, in-person learning, college, graduate school, something along those lines, uh, doctors, lawyers. Um, and I'm, those are just two that right off the top of my head, but there are also a lot of professions where it's not needed. And, and I can honestly say that uh, other than, uh, camaraderie and late nights partying, um, what I do now, uh, professionally, none of it, I learned in a classroom, um, except for a lot of life skills and how to, how to communicate with people. I wouldn't give away my, my college years for anything. My wife says, well, but what about the social piece of it? I was like, oh, great. Well, you know, what college should we rent a, a an apartment on where our daughter can live and then, you know, uh, apprentice here or do this or whatever their, their passions are? Um, and does it always have to happen? Why are we always in a rush to, you know, you're 18, you know, you're, you're 17, 18, you got to go to college, you're 22, now you got to get a career. Um, you know, I, I 
that's, I think, the old way of thinking. Um, and I think, if anything, the pandemic has taught us that, you know, education can look very different and people can be successful um, in other means of learning. And, uh, but also, like, you know, the, the, the pitfalls of, you know, online only education without the socialization and communication. Yeah, it's a, I think it's a mix that's, that's always going to be evolving, to be sure. Mm-hmm. Um, you've led a full life. Uh, a lot of it was education. What are some of the, you know, if you had a philosophy, if you had a life philosophy or things that you felt people need to hear, and we were creating a billboard, a mm-hmm. billboard of life, that it's a freeway that every human being on the earth is going to pass by this billboard. What would you want that billboard to say? Uh, it's cliche. Um, I have uh, a lot of regrets in my life. Worst thing ever. Do it. Like what, you know, Nike, just do it. You want to start a business, do it. You know, know that you will likely uh, learn from the failure that will inevitably happen from that first business. Uh, and if it doesn't, hats off to you. That is awesome. There is no... Uh, I hate the stigma of failure. I really do. So no regrets. Uh, And so I'm getting emotional now, if you can't hear it through the podcast. One of my favorite bands is the Lunaneers. And one of my favorite lines from that is, I read the script at the costume fit, so I played my part. And that really resonates with me because I know people who really regretted stuff that they didn't do with their lives. And that's how I live my life now is not regretting what I do. No, sorry to get emotional, Tom. I know this is, you know, this is a supposed to be a bit of a different thing, but that's something I'm ultra passionate about. Well, and, and, and passion, I think fuels doing it, you know? Uh, so good for you for feeling that passion. And uh, I'm with you. I, I think so many people sadly are, are ruled by fear. Yeah. And, you know, and those are the, you know, and I've often said when I'm sitting on the porch in a rocking chair with not much more energy than to drool, um, I want to say, you know, I, I, this was a great life. This was a great adventure. And, uh, and I don't have many regrets. Right. So I'm with you. This has been delightful. And I, I can't thank you enough for sharing your time. You're doing incredible things for your clients. Uh, You've got your values, obviously, in the right place with your role as a husband and a father. And you think deep thoughts. And and, and I I thank you for sharing everything with us. Uh, Absolutely. I appreciate the time, Tom. And I think what really allows me to to think those deep thoughts, especially, you know, during sort of the working day, I'm using my quote fingers for everybody (laughs) out there, is um, I have a fantastic team um, at truth tree, which allows me to, to sit and think and ponder and, uh, w- really, you know, what's going to help, uh, what's going to help our team. Um, what's going to help, uh, my family, the town that I live in, the, the, and then, you know, from the work standpoint, ultimately the people that are listening to this podcast, how can truth tree help you do your work and you be able to not regret anything, feel happy, be happy, and sleep better at night. And if we, and if we get up that early, then we usually sleep pretty well. <laughs> very, very true. Yeah, I don't, I, you know, 
I'm like you. I've, I've been a pretty structured person, but the uh, the times that it's time to go to bed, I don't I don't uh, perseverate on much. I just close my eyes and it happens. I've gotten much better at that. Uh, it used to be uh, not that way, um, but uh, you know, you perseverate on things that I you know I, I keep saying it. You regret, um, or you feel like you're going to regret in the future. So um, no, I, that's a uh, Hats off to you for being able to put your head down and close your eyes. <laughs> Thank you. Let's continue to stay in touch. Uh, look forward to Absolutely. getting the podcast out to our listeners. And uh, just you and your family continue to enjoy a safe and wonderful summer. And uh, let's do this again sometime. You as well, Tom.